Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, recorded on Tuesday, the 23rd of June, 2015, at 10 o'clock, and this is episode 89. So, hello again. Well, it's great to be back, but I am sorry that I'm even later than usual this week. No real good excuses, other than I was really busy on Sunday... I was going to do it on Monday night, and I was all prepared and everything. And just like last time, by the time I was ready for the show, I actually fell asleep and woke up sometime in the early hours, so I really couldn't do it then. And then I was supposed to do it a bit earlier today, but then I was busy again, so here it is right now. So let's start off with the news. And the first tiny bit of news is I've been removing more extraneous accounts that I have on social media and extra blogs. So gone now is the Redway Movie Twitter account that I opened for my Redway screenplay. I've also removed the Typo Mania Writers Group. And that's all I really have to say on that front. Next, podcast interviews. I mentioned a while back that I'd kind of gone off having interviews. And it's not the whole concept of interviews that's a problem. It's the whole, it's a simple, loose chat show format. And that's because it's a real effort to get these things set up. And when they are set up, it seems a pity just to waste the opportunity to have a friendly general chat. I mean, I'm not against the friendly bit. I just wish there was more stuff to them. Uh, Rather than have the usual inane fan stuff, I think it would be good if we could delve politely still and with a friendly format, but more into the background of the person... By that I mean things like what makes them them and how they got where they are today. Now why should we do this? Well, the main thing is because this podcast is about people who create things, not only consume things. So it's not just a fan show, but it's... Well, if you're into movies, for example... You might watch a movie as a fan, but you might also be involved in the making of the movie. Like, I don't know, a director, or a producer, camera guy, screenwriter, that kind of thing. I'm not sure if this is the best tack to take, but again, given the effort involved in setting up these interviews... I think that's the kind of direction I want to take things in. I do have someone in mind for later this year, and he does seem receptive. He's really quite a famous comic book artist. I'm not going to say who it is, and it's not that one that you probably think it is. It's someone completely different, and it's not someone I've had on the show before as well. But yeah, I'll stop teasing for now. Until I know something more concrete. And... Oh, what else? Well, 
As well as this person later in the year, I'll also be looking for interesting creatives to guess between then and now. So if you think you fit the bill, please get in touch. And talking about getting in touch, I'm still on the lookout for a contributor. I mentioned wanting a regular contributor in a previous podcast. In fact, I printed out some flyers and I put them around town. With only limited success, to be honest. Before, I was thinking maybe several contributors, but the headaches involved in scheduling mean that I'm really unreally prepared to go as far as looking for one person. That being the case, if there's someone out there who is local and into genre, preferably creative, please get in touch. Now, I know I haven't said where the podcast is located exactly, but that really doesn't matter because there are local people listening and hopefully they will put the feelers out and we'll know something soon. And what else can I say about that particular role? It does have to be someone who can be on the show on a regular basis, and by that I mean once a week. This will be a separate podcast to this show that I'm now doing, where I'm talking to you, in the regular Sunday, well, loosely based uh, Sunday show that almost certainly is always late. Uh, So there'll be an extra show, hopefully midweek, almost certainly as well recorded in the evening and it will be different from the Sunday show so whereas a Sunday show is fairly structured and sometimes as you've noticed in the past months we do have guests this new show will be uh, if I can get the person that is will be much less structured and just a general chat about genre in general. I think I said general twice. Hmm. Okay, so get in touch if you think you are that person. And final piece of news this week about the podcast is I've got some podcast stats so I went into cPanel and had a look at how much is being downloaded and so far this month so we've only got a week left in the month but the podcast has been downloaded 594 times and when did I look at the stats? It was earlier today sometimes, so hopefully that's up to around 600. The bandwidth consumed for Roy's Rocket Radio this month so far is 22.67 gigabytes, so that's quite high. And we're up 100 from... No, not about 100, but we're certainly up a little from last month. And that is, of course, good news. 
Okay now, on to feedback this week, and we have got some more feedback, more than last week, so that's good. The first piece of feedback is quite interesting. It's correspondence regarding episode 31, which was quite a while back, and it's regarding Carl Edward Wagner, who I am a fan of. He's an author who wrote a number of short stories and novels. Vaguely in the horror genre, but also, let's say, fantasy or sword and sorcery. Particularly in the form of the Kane stories that I really do like. The correspondence is from John Mayer. John Mayer is an author and was an old friend of Carl Edward Wagner and has written about Wagner in numerous essays and articles. So I'm going to quote from his email that he sent on the 17th of June. So very, very recently then. Roy, I was referred to your podcast about Carl Wagner by his nephew, Kevin Elam, who has for many years worked in special effects in Hollywood. I enjoyed your remarks and agree with most of them. Oh, by the way, before I go on, I should say that John has a Facebook page called Carl Edward Wagner Fans. That's all one word. So you'll find that at www.facebook.com slash group slash Carl Edward Wagner Fans. Okay, carrying on with John's email. Though Carl was surely influenced by Lovecraft and to a lesser degree by Howard, Cain was not the product of any such Howard influence. At the time of Carl's youth, and mine, there was a terrible dearth of sci-fi and fantasy in the US. Somehow Carl had discovered the pulps. He probably knew Howard through a few of his horror tales, such as Pigeons from Hell, and not the Conan stories. My recollection is that I introduced him to Conan when I found an old copy of Fantasy magazine containing the story The Black Stranger, adulterated, unknown to us at that time, by L. Sprague de Kemp. However, it's possible he'd come upon another Conan story or two prior to that and that my memory is faulty. However, I can assure you, Conan had no bearing, at least directly, upon the development of Cain. However, the writings of C.L. Moore did have some influence and Miss Moore was influenced by Howard. At any rate, happy to discover another Carl slash Kane fan. So thanks for clearing up a few things, John, and getting in touch. 
And I'm glad that someone who actually knew Carl Edward Wagner has got in touch. Oh, one last thing I'd like to mention is that John has written a book called Hex Code and Others. If you want to Google that and check out his work, please do. So thanks for getting in touch, John. Okay, next, some more correspondence. And this is something about Mr. Robot that we covered in episode 86. And this is correspondence from regular commenter on my blog, Saul Garnell. He said in a blog comment on the 16th of June, Based on your recommendation, which I will hold you responsible for, I watched Mr. Robot. I have to agree with your assessment and say that it's extremely well written, the acting is superb, and the directing is very effective. However, what I think makes this show very engrossing is its appeal to the new generation. Every show must have a target audience, and this one aims at the millennials, who are now, in my opinion, challenging to inherit a world controlled by a corrupt, white-collar corporate elite. And that premise is not fiction. There have been enough headlines to prove that this scenario is very true. My only con, it's not exactly the most original premise. It's been done before in the movie Hackers, and documented very well in Bruce Sterling's non-fiction The Hacker Crackdown. Still, this new technological Robin Hood is really well done and worth a watch. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Thanks all, and of course you're welcome. So, thanks for the feedback, and keep it coming. I do love feedback. It proves that someone is listening. Although, of course, I can just read my podcast statistics, but actually having words from people that I can read out on the show means that I didn't hallucinate my statistics and (laughs) that the show does reach people out there. So, thank you. Next, TV. Killjoys 2015. This is a new show on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's some fairly enjoyable nonsense about a pair of space bounty hunters. If you can imagine Firefly with the big evil mega corporations and Star Hunter, if you remember that, Star Hunter... Um, it was a show, I think back in the 90s, or perhaps even 80s, about interstellar bounty hunters. That's the general look and feel of the show. I think... I'm not sure what will happen with it. I mean, it does look pretty good for a sci-fi show. 
And if you're in the mood for some brainless action, you might like this. So that's Killjoys. Just started. Next, Humans 2015. Now, I've talked about this before. This is on Channel 4 on Sundays at 9 o'clock. I am still enjoying this. Can't really find any fault with it. We talked about this before, but watching William Hurt, who has a role in it, made me suddenly crave more William Hurt. He's one of those actors who I like in anything, even in that film Lost in Space. If you remember, that also had Joey from Friends. He's a bit like Rutger Hauer. He's a serious actor, but he's in a lot of genre movies. I like him so much that I rewatched Kevin Costner's movie Mr. Brooks, where he plays Kevin Costner's evil alter ego. And the only reason I rewatched it is because I wanted to watch those little snippets of William Hurt. The first film that I remember seeing him in was Ken Russell's completely bonkers Altered States from 1980, where William Hurt played a mad scientist. And if you haven't seen this movie yet, I seriously suggest you go and watch it. It's one of my favourite sci-fi movies. Okay. Now we've been talking about movies in the TV section, but that's kind of okay, because the next thing we're going to talk about is Jurassic Park. I saw Jurassic Park last week at the cinema, and really did enjoy it. It's got great monsters. It's kind of offset by a thin, thin plot and characters and terrible and ill-thought-out product placement. But that doesn't make it any less enjoyable. And just on the subject of product placement, a lot's been made about Chris Pratt taking a sip out of a old-fashioned Coca-Cola bottle and smacking his lips. But the thing that really struck me was... The Samsung logo, or the word Samsung, scrawled across the main visitor centre on the island. And it's kind of ironic, because why would Samsung want to be associated with the technological, fictional disaster that is Jurassic Park? You've got to wonder about the marketing department at Samsung. Unless they are planning to make dinosaurs. But even if they are going to make dinosaurs, do they really want to be associated with monsters that eat people? I don't know. Okay, what other product placement was there? Well, there was a lot of motor vehicle product placement for Mercedes and Jeep, and especially Triumph. Actually, on the subject of Triumph, that kind of got my goat. Triumph gave Chris Pratt the motorbike from the movie, or at least a motorbike like the one in the movie, simply because he asked them. And it bugs me because I've got to wonder, can't Chris Pratt actually afford his own motorcycle? 
I get that the whole thing is probably a great advert for Triumph, and as a cost-benefit thing, they probably come out ahead. But seriously, giving people stuff when they are already so ridiculously rich compared to the rest of us, what's that about? That's not right. Okay. Enough moaning about social inequality and back to the movie. Now, I was saying that the characters are pretty thin. For instance, Chris Pratt's character, Owen Grady. And by the way, I had to go back to the Wikipedia page after the movie to find out what his character's name was, because I think it's only mentioned a couple of times, which proves how thin the character layer is. It's not at all explained. Owen Grady, the protagonist, is working for InGen training velociraptors. He used to be in the Navy, but doing what? Now, I'm presuming that if he's training animals, maybe he was training Navy dolphins. Something like that. Okay, what else do I have to say about this? Oh yeah, some of the deaths in this movie are ridiculously and spectacularly staged. <laughs> it's, it is enjoyable despite all my moans, but just don't think too hard if you do go and see this. I don't think, all in all, it's quite as good as the very first movie. It doesn't have that wonder factor. But it's definitely better than the sequels. Oh yeah, another thing. Bradley Darrell Wong, better known as B.D. Wong. He is the guy who plays the priest in Oz. And he, in this movie, reprises his role that he played in the first movie. I don't know about subsequent movies, but I remember in the first movie, he was the scientist in the lab when John Hammond is showing the visitors how the dinosaurs are made. He's the lead scientist there poking around and doing things. Well, he reprises this role as the scientist in charge of dinosaur manufacture and man, he really creeps me out. He does play sinister and crazy supervillain well. If there's another movie, I'm pretty sure he'll be in it. And if he isn't in it, that'll be a terrible crime. Okay. Oh, and just tangentially as an aside, I discovered Jurassic Park, the franchise, not from the movies, but actually shortly before the movies via cassette tape audiobook that I listened to on a rainy day in my old bedroom on a Iowa twin tape deck. So how retro is that? I think after I listened to the audiobook, the movie came out a month or two later. So I was already primed for all this stuff. And it also helped that I was a Michael Crichton fan ever since I first saw the film The Andromeda Strain when I was very little. Okay, so that's Jurassic Park 2015, in my opinion, worth a watch. Just turn your brain off for however long it's on. 
Okay, this week no trailers, nothing on audio, on books, on comics, but something on games. Now, of course, E3's just happened, but it's been covered to death in all the other media, so Google it yourself if you want to hear about what's happened in E3. The game section of this particular podcast really is to do with my own announcement. So if you cast your mind back to Christmas when I wrote a interactive fiction game, a fantasy sword and sorcery game called Rider in the Mist, well, I've decided to expand it. And in fact, I haven't just decided to do it this moment. I have been expanding it over the last week or so. It's not so much a version 2 as a clean HTML rewrite and a GUI polish. And I can do this now that my CSS skills are much better than before. Now, if you remember the original game, it was written in Twine, which does produce a nice compact HTML file, and it has inbuilt macros and loads of good stuff like that. I haven't got a problem with Twine. I am just a bit worried about how I can maintain it in future. I don't know what Twine is doing. And also, I like to know what every single piece of my code does. If you look at the output for a Twine file, if you look at the source code itself, it looks incredibly complicated. Now, I still think Twine is the go-tool for new users, or new, sorry, not new users, but new developers of interactive fiction, or if you're new to video games, you really should check out Twine. It's a simple tool that enables a beginner with very few skills to create a rather nice interactive fiction game. But as I said, I've translated that into just pure HTML5, something that I can understand every part of, which makes it easier to customize. The other thing is I'm also responding to the feedback that I got from players of Rider in the Mist. I'm not going to mention every single bit of feedback, but the basics were that it was thought to be stylish, and I'll take that, thank you very much, but that it needed more content. So you asked, you get. The game is still free, and while I always have in mind that some money would be nice, you know, because food has to be paid for, it is still free. In fact, when the expansion goes up, that will be free too. You know what? I didn't really want to call it an expansion. I wanted to call it DLC, because that's just an acronym that's so trendy right now. But since it will be just there, rather than something you need to download, I'm not sure that that really makes sense. 
Although, when you do browse a web page, in some sense you are downloading something locally to your computer, your client, your web browser, so maybe I could have called it DLC, but I'm sure people would have laughed at me, so I won't. If you do want to play it, just Google Rider in the Mist game. Now you can Google it, because if you do Google those words, it is the top search. So, so there. <laughs> Next. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned a new game that I was thinking up. Well, now that I kind of know my way around a fair amount of HTML and CSS, I think it is time. The game will be very different to Rider, and it will be set in the physical real world, but with the genre elements. There will be puzzles to solve, to progress, that may entail players actually having to get out of the coding chair or off the sofa in front of the TV to solve. So you can think of it of having some elements of LARP, that's live-action roleplay. At first, this will be just an IF, an interactive fiction game, but scoring may come later, and even later, perhaps geolocation and augmented reality, but that's a maybe at the moment, because I actually need some content before getting all fancy. Needless to say, this game will be much, much bigger than Rider. So that's it for games this week. In fact, that's it for the show this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and please keep the feedback coming. I also would like you to just send me correspondence in general, so if you have any questions on things you want me to talk about, any comments about the quality or lack of quality of me or the podcast, hate mail, death threats, just head on over to roymatur.com, click on email and send me an email. You can also contact me on Twitter, but if you do contact me on Twitter, please make sure to use the hashtag Roy's Rocket Radio, all one word. That way it will be easy for me to sift out comments from the general noise of Twitter. Okay. Oh, and also, please, reviews, reviews, reviews. I need more reviews. I've only got a few reviews. Please go to iTunes and review Roy's Rocket Radio. Okay, so that's it for now. Hopefully, I'll be able to manage a Sunday show and not be as late as I was this week. But at least it did happen. Okay, thanks for listening. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, recorded on Tuesday the 23rd of June 2015, and the time at the end of the show is 19 minutes past 11 in the evening. Bye for now. Bye!